10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from London, this is the Sunday Lunch with Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. Good afternoon, good afternoon. The time is 1 p.m. on Sunday, the 16th of January, and you're tuned into the Sunday Lunch Show with me, Khalil Rouse, on Teachers Talk Radio. In today's show, we'll kick it off with some hashtag pastoral CPD on unconscious bias. We all have them, but do we acknowledge them? I'll then be joined by Lekha Sharma to discuss her thread on how SLT can improve staff well-being, and I'll hopefully finish by talking about restrictions on slang in schools. Let's get to it. Live from London, this is the Sunday Lunch with Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash TT Radio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Good afternoon. It is a sunny, sunny Sunday where I am. I wonder if it's a sunny, sunny Sunday where you are. Let me know in the chat. I've already got a couple people in the chat already. Some early birds. Because all I know from every show that I speak about is most people rock up nice and late um, at about 10 past. But hopefully we've got some people in, we've got some people in the studio already. And I always forget, if you're listening just on like a desktop or a MacBook or a whatever um, in the background, welcome to you as well. Because I get the impression there are people that do that and I just never have any, um, never have any idea they're doing it in the background. The little sneaky ones. Um, it's very strange to be here on a Sunday without coming like being on after the main man, Graham Collin. Very weird. Very there's a, there's a gap. There's a gap in the Teacher Talk Radio um, schedule. There's a gap in my heart because, um, I, yeah, I didn't join after. There was no Graham today, um, which is just weird. Very weird. Oh, he's actually, oh, he's in the studio. Oh, Graham, I didn't see you there. Who would have thought it? I didn't, that was very convenient. I didn't know you were there, Graham. Just as I was talking you up. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's very strange. Very strange not to come after Graham, but Graham's got bigger fish to fry. Not saying teachers or radio isn't a big fish. We're a big fish in a in a huge pond. Um, but Graham's got bigger fish to fry um, in his in his life than teachers or radio. But I'm hoping, and we all hope that Graham will be back to join us um, later on in the year. So welcome, people that are already in the studio. So Graham, I see you, Ella Lekka, one of my guests who's going to be coming on slightly later, is already in the studio, nice and punctually. I always find it funny when the when the guests, the imminent guests come on and obviously no one wants to get any kind of tech issues. So I know they always just come in straight away just to check everything's going to be okay as they come in. Um, and it is, Lekker, it's fine. So you'll be joining us in about half an hour or so. Um, as I mentioned in, in the intro, and as always, I'll run the intro slightly later on. Um, but in the intro, we'll be talking about, we never managed to finish talk, well, we never managed to start talking about unconscious bias so last session, last show, I did some pastoral CPD. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you search on Twitter, hashtag pastoral CPD, I'm trying to start a revolution. <laughs> I'm trying to start a revolution. Um, so by what it is at the moment is a very, very small, not even a revolution, it's a movement or more like a ripple. It's not even a movement yet. It's a, it's a shrug. Um, with a few tweets from me of all the shows that I've done with a kind of pastoral focus, talking about things that occur in schools, but usually occur inside the classroom, outside the classroom, a bit of the softer stuff, the pastoral side. And last week, oh gosh, what did we talk about last week? We talked about trauma-informed practice last week, and we talked about, oh my word, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, I can't remember. I don't know. We talked about trauma-informed practice, and then um, Pastoral Pete came on, and he spoke about trauma-informed practice. But what did we speak about before that? 
Man, I can't remember. Um, I'm not going to put it on the spot. Expect to help me out. I'll find out. But we did some pastoral CPD last week. And then the plan last week was to also speak about unconscious bias, but we never got round to it because he ran out of time, which is not uncommon on one of my shows, just because I love a tangent. So let me know how you all doing. Um, oh, I forgot about the good news. The good news is I tested negative for COVID. Yay! Let's put a cheer on there. Woo! All right, don't milk it, guys. It's not that. It's not millions of oh, wow okay guys okay okay it's oh it's not a massive thing everyone does it every day um but yes yeah, so i've been through this week has been a an interesting week so i was as i mentioned in the last show i got covid positive lateral flow on thursday last week um by sunday's show i had a bit of a, a little horse i had a th- horse throat which was interesting and then for the rest of the week obviously i've been working from home and in the home i've been face covered up no real, not that much interaction, of course, with my partner and my child. A little bit of interaction, but always face covered up. The worst thing has been the ventilation because the house has just been cold, so cold. Um, every room I go in, I have to make sure I had to make sure it's ventilated. But we're through. We are over the over the hill, and now I'm sliding back into school tomorrow. Um, yeah, with some negative lateral flows, so it's all good. Like it's it's great. COVID. It for me personally, I didn't have many symptoms. Um, but I know a lot of people can have it worse, so I was fortunate. But welcome to everyone that's in the studio. It's nice to see some familiar faces. What we're going to do, because I've got enough people in, it's actually get going. It's a bit early. You guys are early, man. Usually you guys rock up at 10 past. You guys are punctual today, which is wonderful. Um, so run the intro. Let's get into unconscious bias, because this is a this is a touchy one. And I want to see if anyone can even call in and speak about it, or anyone can be really honest and have some integrity. I'll be honest as anything. I've got a whole bunch of unconscious biases, because um, it's human. It's human nature, but it's when we actually start talking about it, it's not about whether you have them, it's about whether you acknowledge them. Well, in my opinion, let me pre- let me preface this. Like, I'm not an expert. I've just got an opinion. In my opinion, it's not about having them. It's about whether you acknowledge them to start with, recognize them, and also recognize the impact it can have on your interactions. And what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it is a question I'll ask. But let's run this intro one more time. Let's get into it. I'm feeling good on a sunny Sunday. It's good to be on the, on the airwaves chatting to you a lot. Show me some love in the chat if you're here. Let me know what the weather's like where you are. Everyone ready for tomorrow? We'll see. Let's get into it again. Live from London, this is the Sunday Lunch with Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. Good, 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 good afternoon. It's now 107 on Sunday, the 16th of January, and you're still tuned into the Sunday Lunch Show. And I am still Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. In today's show, I'm going to kick it off very soon with some hashtag pastoral CPD on unconscious bias. And then later on, I'll be joined by Lekha Sharma to discuss her thread on how SLT can improve staff well-being. And hopefully I'll finish by talking about restrictions on slang usage in schools. Live from London, this is the Sunday Lunch with Khalil Rouse on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash LSW slash TT Radio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Boom. There we go. Um, I've just had a morning clue in the chat from Sobia. Sobia, it is 1.10 in the afternoon. Nearly 1.10 in the afternoon. Actually, it's 1.08 in the afternoon. Afternoon, Sobia. You start them things. When you join the kids, last lesson of the day, the kid walks into the classroom, morning, sir, and they get that embarrassment. Ah, ah, silly me, it's afternoon. And I'm like, well, yeah, it is. Um, Sobia's done the same thing. So, yeah, it's afternoon. Afternoon, Sobia. Um, we've all had it. 
Um, uh, we've got people in the chat. Lekker's like the show already. I've not even started Lekker, but thank you. And Mao's telling me it's two ten in Spain. Always name dropping or place dropping her location. I'm not even going to ask you about the weather over there because I don't want to hear it. If I'm honest, I don't want to hear it because I don't want to know how many degrees you've got. I don't want to know how much sun you have. I don't even know how close you are to the beach. Um, I love the fact you're in Spain. You've taken a, a, your chapter, the next chapter in your kind of life overseas. I think it's wonderful. Um, but I don't want to hear about it in a nice, <laughs> in the nicest possible way. Uh, nah, it's like a, are, are you like, here's a random question, man. Are you like, what's the word I'd use? Are you not over it, but is it, do you know when you go on holiday and then um, when you're on holiday, you love it. You step off the plane, the heat hits you in the face. Woof, you're like, wow. And you love the heat. You love the sun. You're getting, you want to go to the beach straight away, straight to the pool, all that kind of stuff. And then it gets to like day, I don't know, four or five. And you're like, Ugh. you're not over it. But the, the, initial, the initial excitement has kind of worn off as it probably does naturally. So my question to you, Mal, I know like Spain is also sunny and beachy and wonderful and blah, blah, blah. Not are you open. <laughs> my question was, are you like, have you, have you like normalized it? Is it just the norm now? It's nothing to be excited about. It's just the way it is. Mal came straight in. Mal came straight in with four capital letters. N-O-P-E. Nope, she says. And um, I was hoping you'd say yeah, so I could feel a bit smug. But she's saying, nah, she's, she's still, I think it's because you just remember what life was like in, in UK. And um, I'm glad you're having a good time out there, Mal. I'm glad you're having a good time. All Things Pastoral, lovely to have you in the chat as well. Um, you'll be on one of my shows coming up as well. That's all in the pipeline. But let's get into it. Um, unconscious bias. <laughs> Mal said, I did my time in the UK. Sound like you just, just escaped prison, Mal. You did your time in the UK. Um, now you've, you've been set free and you can go enjoy your time in Spain. No, I'm jealous, man. Let me not lie. I'm jealous. She said it feels, Mal says it feels like it, that she's been doing her time in the UK. Listen, UK has obviously got its pros and cons. Everyone's got their family here. It's what we know. It's what I know. Um, I just, I just couldn't imagine living, over, living overseas. I feel like I just, unless if I could just pick up everyone I know and just move overseas, I'd do it in a heartbeat. But then I feel like for me personally, if I went overseas, cool. I'm not a very new friends kind of person, if that makes like I'm not, not that I'm un, unsocial or unfriendly, but I have my circle of friends that I've had for a, a long, long, long time. And then, do you know the, what film was it talk about the circle of trust? I got my circle of trust. What's that? Parent? No, what's it called? Meet the Fockers. Yeah. I've got the uh, circle of trust. I've got my circle of trust. And if I could move my circle of trust, uproot my circle of trust and move us all to the sunny Caribbean or something, um, then would I do it? yeah yeah would i yeah i don't know my partner's probably listening and thinking no you wouldn't <laughs> she's thinking nah you wouldn't i don't know either way let's get let's get, i don't know man i don't know if i would do it um if everyone just came and we always live somewhere else as long as i could yeah do a job i enjoyed and have no money issues yeah why not new life why not who knows would you in the chat would you if you could uproot and take your nearest and dearest overseas um, to a place of your choice. Obviously, no, we would. Silly question. I'm actually like, oh, if you just moved all your family and your friends to another place that's better than the UK, would you do it? Well, obvs. Obvs is what I'd say to that. Anyways, right. Welcome, Dale. Just seeing you come in as well. Some familiar names in the chat, which is wonderful. Okay, unconscious bias. I want to just talk about it for about, maybe about 20 minutes, see what you guys think about everything, um, see what your contributions are. As always, I've got an article, and from my favourite place, SecEd, S-E-C-E-D, 
great place. But let's always start with your definitions, as you would do in a kind of academic essay. So according to Google, this is a Google definition, not my definition, a Google definition. It says, unconscious or implicit bias is a term that describes the associations we hold outside of our conscious awareness and control. Unconscious bias affects everyone. Unconscious bias is triggered by our brain automatically making quick judgments and assessments. And then also what comes up, obviously implicit stereotyping and all that kind of stuff. The stuff that happens below the level of our consciousness that we all have, in my opinion, surely we all have them. And just because we get into the teaching profession, which is considered to be quite a kind of noble profession, a bit of a, um, a self-sacrificing profession, everything else, doesn't mean we now stop having these unconscious biases and, and these implicit stereotypes that we hold about maybe a certain age group, a certain demographic, a certain a certain look that someone could have, a certain everything, always influenced by our own kind of experiences that we've been through in our lives. And we all have them. But I think the, the, the thing is with teachers is we interact a lot with young people and young people can take things, well, not take things very, very personally. Young thing, they're just human beings. But I think as teachers, we need to be very conscious of our, of our unconscious biases or do our best to acknowledge them so that in our actions with young people, we're not letting them guide what we say and do. We need to be very conscious. We need to check ourselves. And I'm, like I said at the start, like I have my own and I'm very, I'm, well, not conscious of all of them. When I feel like I've thought of one and one's come to four, I have to check myself sometimes. I've got to check myself sometimes. I wonder if you guys are, I don't, I'm not going to start asking what are your stereotypes in the chat and everything else. We'd be interested to see your thoughts. So I've got an article. Let me know what you think, because this is again on Seked. This one's written by Fiona Aubrey-Smith. Shout out to you, Fiona. If you ever listen back to the show, shout out to you. So Fiona started by saying, when holding crucial behavior conversations with pupils, we need to be aware of our unconscious bias and the negative impact it may have on our responses and the young people we teach. Yeah, so then they're saying, think of a student in your class or your school who's recently displayed challenging behavior um and imagine a conversation so they're putting us on the spot and so imagine a conversation where you ask them why that specific behavior happened um so then perhaps they retell a sequence of events that built up to the frustrating climax perhaps they shrug and say they don't know why they did what they did perhaps they feel threatened by your inquiry and become more aggressive perhaps they're inconsolable and un unable to talk at all this is what it's saying um yet this conversation is usually central to what happens next um, furthermore, what happens next is likely to be an escalation of either the behavior itself or, or some kind of restorative justice or, or sadly, the kind of consequences of their behavior. So this conversation, when a child has got it wrong, is a pivotal one and we all have them. No matter what we do, it doesn't even matter if you're a teacher, GTA, um, member of support team, admin, we all have conversations with young people when they've probably got something wrong. And this is a crucial conversation. Um, and then I guess, and it goes on to say, we know what children, we know that what children say, what they intend to do, what they actually do or did, and what they really believe or understand may be all different. And we know there are many influences which come together and shape why each of us do things that we do. The culture we're born into, the environment we were raised in, the accumulation of experiences that we've gone through our lives so far. The things we've learned, sorry, the things we've heard or witnessed, the context we're in right now, choice and the amount of choice and control we have in the situation, the people we're with, perceptions of relationships and so on. We are a huge accumulation of all the experiences we've absorbed. And I guess this article goes on and it does 
um, start talking about perceptions of it goes, as we are seeing both nationally and internationally, this issue is particularly pertinent for how black boys are perceived by those in authority, including by us and as their teachers and leaders. Um, poignantly, it is also a huge issue for how black boys perceive themselves. So my, this, this wasn't supposed to be a kind of show focused on purely black boys as a as a very specific category of of young person but the article has kind of taken that direction and i like to kind of read the article almost fresh so i didn't read i've scammed through it scam scanned through it um and had a little look and thought mm, this is interesting and then it goes and talks about things to do with black boys and it's and it's and the thing is and the thing is we've are we all probably work in schools that have black boys and not every first of all not every black boy is the same and not every black boy carries himself in the same way um, there are kind of some trends in certain areas of London or areas of England where you might see groups or of black boys that act in a certain way. And I guess the unconscious bias bit kicks in because, and I think the one thing that's most, one thing that always sticks out in my mind, always, 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 is when I was in, in one of the schools, one of my previous schools, always, one of my previous schools, I think it was also like when I actually went to school as well, um, whenever they were referring, and not all the time, but I often found that you know when teachers are talking about a group of students yeah it could be in a staff room it could be in meetings it could be just between themselves a little kind of teacher gossip i sometimes found um that when they'd refer to like a group of either black boys or black girls and black boys they called them a gang i don't know if you guys have heard this witnessed it maybe you haven't really thought about it um but i've definitely heard and i like i don't need to have any kind of verification in the chat i guess but i've personally been in a room where teachers have said, oh, you know, that, oh, that little gang, when they're talking about a group, of, a group of black students, for example. And I've been in the room and I had to check a couple of teachers and then say, just out of interest, um, do you understand the connotation of, of the word gang? Just, just like, do you understand the connotation? And then I, I don't think it's appropriate to, um, to kind of put that on a group of young people without knowing, without any other kind of information. Uh, last time I checked, they're not involved in any kind of criminal activity. They're just standing there. But then this, they wouldn't refer to a group. I've not heard, if I'm honest, I've not heard a member of staff talk about a group of maybe a mixed ethnicity, mixed, like a very diverse group or, or like an entirely Asian group or an entirely white group or entirely, I don't know, Middle Eastern group as a gang. I've never heard it. Not saying it doesn't happen. I've just never heard it. So then you have to think, hold on, why is that happening? And it comes down to this, I believe, some comes down to this unconscious bias that I think some professionals hold. Um, because often, unfortunately, if you see on the news or you see in, in you know, on the news or in the media, then, and especially in London, and if you do, if you look at any kind of articles on, on gang violence or gang this, gang that, knife crime, blah, 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 unfortunately, due to kind of socioeconomic reasons and structural racism and all this kind of stuff, loads of different reasons, often you see black kids and gangs becoming one not one and the same but they're often said in the same article you see talk about gangs you might see a black kid yeah you see talking about knife crime you might see a black kid and as professionals in in teaching i'm not saying you can't have unconscious biases you just gotta think hmm if i have these i need to make sure I, if you want to first and foremost you want to make sure that you kind of do things consciously so that you're challenging yourself i often have to challenge myself I'm a black person and I hold unconscious biases about black people myself. Like it's because I'm, I'm conditioned by, by things I've seen and witnessed and been a part of and my own experiences as a young person. Yeah. So when I was growing up, for example, um, 
when it, when when I was in my kind of when I was growing up in my area, people always like hood. It was all about hoodies and being hooded up and everything else. That was all happening. And anyone, and it just so happened that whenever someone got moved to, which to translate means maybe approached with ill intention, with um, with a hope of I don't know stealing something from them, it often happened with people in hoods. Yeah. So then, I'm still probably to this day. If it's dark and I'm walking on the road and I see a couple of people, regardless of ethnicity, I won't might not be able to tell ethnicity, regardless of ethnicity, and I see them walking with hoods up, my the neurons in my brain go, oh, red alert, they might be an issue. And that's just because of what I've experienced. But I know this is the case. So I need to literally actively challenge myself because I walk around with a hood. <laughs> like I walk around with hoods and I know I'm no threat to anyone. I wouldn't hurt a butterfly. Um, nor a fly, nor anyone. Um, but I guess you just got to check them. And I, I know it's very quiet in the chat because I'm just talking, but I don't know how you guys are receiving this. I'm not, because I don't want this show to only be about black boys. And it, no, I don't want that to be the case at all. Um, but I think it's important that if you realize as a teacher, so I think one thing that I think is quite pertinent is the like children who speak a certain way, whether they speak in in slang terms regardless of ethnicity because we know in london london's multicultural and the kind of the slang and the colloquialisms have now pervade they pervade all less ethnicities they're more defined by the kind of um the the social area you live in they're less defined by your kind of race or creed or ethnicity in terms of your like heritage you've got white black asian um chinese all kind of different people that can talk using the same kind of tone or language or colloquialisms Hi, Noam. Just seen Noam in the chat. Hi, Noam. Um, and I guess, do you as a professional, if you have if you grew up in a place where most people maybe didn't speak like that, and then the only time you've maybe heard people speak like that is maybe, again, been on TVs or in the music industry or whatever else, and you see what they're talking about, or maybe you, then surely, unconsciously, when you hear the young people speaking like that, maybe you never expect, you didn't grow up hearing this kind of stuff. You're going to unconsciously think of them a certain way, make some snap judgments, maybe about them or their, or where they come from or what their life is like or what they get into at the weekends and all that kind of stuff. And I guess it's just about really thinking hard and reflecting on whether you approach the conversation in a certain way because of some sort of unconscious bias that you hold. And if you do hold it, cool, you're human. But if you, want to be better then you need to start checking yourself is what i think but i don't know very quiet in the chat um, but people just listening so i don't know the article goes on we've got a few more minutes on this the article goes on um yeah so they start to unpack some ideas so it says it starts a subtitle that says do we mean the literal words used and it says to what extent do we understand the words and phrases that the child is using this might be the literal language, e.g. English versus Italian, or it may be words or phrases which are in the child's culture, race, religion, culture, origin, um, or mean something very specific. Would they or we use the same word to convey the same meaning? Do we share or understand the same culture as a child so that we can access and understand their vocab? What about utterances? What about the ums and the you knows and the, the not the kid, not like the little, that kind of sound. Not even, I'm not even gonna call that a kiss of teeth because a kiss of teeth for me is a much longer prolonged thing. Like a, that's a kiss teeth, but this, that's something else. Um, and the utterances like like and in it and all that kind of stuff. And actually says, how do all these utterances shape our perception of what is being said? And what assumptions do we make about the child, their behaviors um, and their perception of what is happening? And this article has a top tip. And it says, 
Take, every, take time every day to really listen to and observe and learn the expressions and phrases used by your children. Get to know how they are used and what meaning they are conveying. What are, the culture, what are the cultural references at play and how are they used to portray a particular identity or to shape relationships or peer dynamics? This article is giving you some advice. This is pastoral CPD. It's saying, and I think if you work in a school where the demographic, where the majority demographic or a large proportion of the demographic is different to your own lived experience, then you need to learn and observe and understand how they use different tonality and utterances and and gestures and whatever else, because the way you might interpret them subconsciously may not be what they're trying to convey with them. For example, I think of even now. I'm. To, I remember I used to teach a used to teach a kid who always used to kind of when he was speaking and he was very kind of um, passionate about what he's saying. He hit his. He had like a cupped palm on his right hand and he was hit it into his left. I'm doing it right now as he's talking. He used to do this. And I knew from knowing this child that he was saying that in a, as a way to punctuate his thoughts. But I can understand how someone who doesn't know this child could take it as a sign of aggression or a sign of being pumped up or wanting to, yeah, just being really pumped up like it's about to pop off, that kind of thing. So and I've, I've observed other teachers say to this child, can you stop doing that, please? I don't know why you're threatening me. And I'm been in, I've been in the background being like, whoa, like I haven't had to, I've not been able to say anything, unfortunately, at that time, because I didn't want to undermine the member of staff, but I spoke to him kind of afterwards. But at the time, I'm thinking, oh, same motion, two different people interpreting it. And unfortunately, we've got some unconscious bias at play here, potentially because they're hearing the way the child's speaking. They've seen him do this. They don't really know the child that well. And they see the body language. They've interpreted it a certain way. So this article is saying, do you know what, if you don't really, if you're not, if you didn't grow up with kids and young people like this, then go and observe them and see how they interact. You might see people who gesticulate and hit their fists with their palm and do that kind of sound when they're speaking. And it's not a sign of disrespect. It's just a way they've developed into how they express themselves. And if you want to be the best kind of pastoral teacher in terms of how you manage the softer, the softer interaction with children, you've got to understand them first, is what the article is saying. And I'm, I'm echoing it, but it's food for thought, I guess. Um, a lot of food for thought. And then Miss Cato Stems come into chat. Thank you for the contribution. Miss Cato Stems come into chat and she's saying, in my opinion, oh, I know, I know what this is about. In my opinion, she says, even if there is only one child in the school of a different race, ethnicity, culture, religion, teachers should make an effort to be aware of and sensitive to the differences that exist between that child and the majority. Here, here, do you know what? Yeah, you've corrected me on that. I think I thought of a time, I think I thought of the more kind of obvious scenario where um, where it's blatant that you your own upbringing is different to that of a lot of the children. But you are right, because every child matters. So you are right there. I, I stand corrected. What we've got is Miss um, Cato Stem <laughs> is saying, even if there's one kid, one kid that's the minority, um, teachers should make an effort to be aware of the difference because they're going to carry them. They're often going to carry themselves differently. If they've been brought up differently to the rest, they're going to carry themselves differently. Yeah. Okay, so what we're going to do, that's a lot of unconscious bias. And I guess it's food for thought. Hopefully people may listen back and hear and think, you know what, you, may, you might have something there, Khalil. Or maybe think, nah. But I'm going to tell you, we will have unconscious biases. Um, we will have unconscious biases, definitely. So plan of action, the P-O-A, because I've got Lekker in the chat. What we're going to do, 
I'm going to run the news. Lekka, the news, just an FYI, lasts about seven minutes. So that's enough time to warm up the vocal cords. Get yourself, make sure you've got your, your water at hand because it's, it's going to be interesting. And um, we'll run the news. And then after the news, you can call in. So just wait for about, you'll know when the news has ended. But you've got about six or seven minutes. After the news, we'll bring Lekka on. We'll all things kind of staff well-being at the hands of SLT because Lekka made a wonderful thread that caught my eye. So I'll see you guys on the other side of this. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cats. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Saturday the 15th of January is the deadline for applications to primary schools in England. Parents with children due to start school in September 2022 must go through their local authority to apply for places at their chosen primary schools. In figures released on the Department for Education's blog Education Hub, it is highlighted that 91.8% of families were offered their first choice of primary school in 2021, with 98% receiving offers from one of their top three choices. The website details advice on how to access applications and information on how places are allocated in line with schools admissions criteria. In Northern Ireland, a profoundly deaf pupil from County Antrim is campaigning for a sign language act after being made aware of how other people in the hearing loss community are supported outside of the province. Alanis Merler is currently studying A-levels in Life and Health Sciences and Mathematics. She hopes to study health and social care and social policy at university and has applied to Ulster University and the University of Edinburgh. During the application process, Alanis was made aware that it was not guaranteed that a British Sign Language interpreter would be available for lectures at Ulster University. However, if Alanis was to study in Edinburgh, an interpreter would be guaranteed due to the Sign Language Act in Scotland. Alanis has now begun a campaign appealing for the introduction of a Sign Language Act in Northern Ireland. In a letter to the Lord Mayor of Belfast City Council, she stated that it was important to promote access and that no deaf student should experience the frustrations of being held responsible for their own support needs. The campaign has been praised by the Lord Mayor of Belfast City Council and the head teacher of the secondary school Alanis attends. 
The Evening Standard reports that hundreds of thousands of pupils will be guaranteed careers advice from the age of 11 if a proposed new law continues to be backed by MPs. The Education Careers Guidance in Schools Bill has cleared the House of Commons with an unopposed third reading and will now undergo further scrutiny in the House of Lords. If the bill is successful, all schools across England will have to guarantee careers guidance to pupils from Year 7, including those who attend academies. In an article on the website Monitor, Emily Marakthor writes about the impact of the pandemic on school children in Uganda. Many children have only just returned to classrooms this month, although relief is expressed by many that this long-awaited return is now a reality. Whilst there is no telling if the return to schools will be disrupted further, the majority are happy to be back, although Uganda's education leaders state that they will continue to ask, what can we do to improve educational opportunities for our children? This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Last week I looked at some free apps for the New Year's resolution of getting fit and healthy. This week I tried a few things out and I'm ready to present my findings. First up, the free version of MyFitnessPal. There's an old age saying that 90% of fitness is in the kitchen. If you want to get in shape, you have to have the right building blocks to do so. With this in mind, I set out to log everything I ate and for good measure, I even broke out the scales to get portion sizes correct. My first discovery is that 45 grams of granola the recommended portion size is nothing like the portion i've been having in fact i'd go as far as to say that it wouldn't even fill a hamster realizing i was eating three or four times the portion i was supposed to was made me think about my other choices so i ate the recommended 45 grams and logged the milk i was surprised how easy it was to find foods in the search feature even supermarket brands the app gave me a calorie target based on my weight height and goal i'd chosen As I had a coffee, I decided to map out my day and stick to it to stop myself cheating. After a week of tracking, I reviewed what I was eating. I could see where most fat and calories were coming from, allowing me to consider, I'm not promising anything, where I could make changes. The question you want me to answer is, did I lose weight? The answer is yes, but I think my next experiment had the most impact on that. Over the break, I managed to fall asleep watching TV and woke up to an infomercial on a DVD box set to get fit in 60 days. 60 days sounds quite quick, but thinking about it, it's practically two months. However, I did a bit of research and found a program that didn't need any weights or equipment, just floor space. I picked up the Insanity Workout series for around £35 on Amazon. My thinking being, you'd pay that for a month in a gym and I get to keep this forever. Now, I will confess, I do consider myself quite fit already. However, nothing could have prepared me for this. With Sean T, the amazing energetic coach screaming dig deeper and about 20 fitness professionals bouncing around what looked like a high school gym i've spent 45 minutes a day for the past six days jumping stretching squatting and definitely sweating being honest i was ready to tap out after the warm-up on day one i'm not gonna lie i used muscles i don't think i've ever used by day three even sitting still and lying in bed at night hurt after pushing through today on day seven a rest day the pain has subsided and i feel great i just have one word of warning if you're looking to do something like this the long walk from the car park with a load of books may be impossible in the first week read the disclaimer this is not to be taken lightly in conclusion i can't see myself keeping up my fitness pal once the novelty wears off but it has made me look at my diet a dvd fitness program for me is great finding 45 minutes is not always easy and if you want to try before you buy if you're a member of netflix or prime already there's programs on there which are already in your subscription next week we're back to tech for teaching i'm steve woods and this was two minute tech two minute tech with steve woods your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. 
We are back. And do you know what? Le- Lekker is on point. And I hope, do you know what? This whole time, I hope I've been pronouncing your first name correctly. Can you, have I been pronouncing it correctly or have I been making mistakes? It was definitely a good guess. So it's Laker like the LA Lakers. <laughs> uh, Laker. Sorry, Laker. I apologize. No, that's all right. Definitely said your name about three or four times incorrectly. It's probably, probably cringed every time. I apologize, Laker. Um, I love that's Laker. okay. The LA Lakers, which is even more helpful, makes me understand. Wonderful. Laker, welcome to Teacher Store Radio. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> no worries at all. Could you give the lovely listeners, we've got a whole bunch of listeners in the chat, but also we can have a, an abundance of people listening through laptops and Macs and everything else that we have no idea about. Give, can you give them a quick kind of intro about who you are, what your connection to education is, before we get into this wonderful thread that you wrote, please? Yeah, of course. So um, at the moment, I'm an expert advisor for the Teacher Development Trust, and I'm writing some of their um, MPQ uh, frameworks, which is really exciting. I've been doing that for about seven months, but by trade, I'm a senior leader in primary schools. So um, I have been a deputy head um, most recently in a two-form entry primary school in South London. Um, Before that, I was in a primary school in Acton. Um, And yeah, so yeah, I'm just a a senior leader. And I think well-being is something that's really, really important to me. So it's really great to be able to talk about it. 100%. 100%. It's one of the, I think, well-being is probably the most talked about topic on Teacher Talk radio shows. And it's with good reason. It's because yeah. we have a lot, we have so many, well, we know the reason, but I, I'm glad we have so many different shows about it, so many different people speaking about it. So if we can reach as many current teachers, future teachers, current leaders, future leaders as possible. So that the sure. more, I think the more, the more that people hear about it, the more they realize that we're calling out for, 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 for it to be a priority. And for schools yeah. to prioritise it and actually do things and re- and look at their their current setup and think right, hold on, we're not in the classroom anymore as much, so we need to mm-hmm. we need to like shift the focus. When we think about the experience our, that our actual like foot soldiers, our teachers on the ground are experiencing, what can we do to make their lives um, better? Because this profession is all consuming if you let it. Um, definitely. So I've got your thread here, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do the talking for you. Have you got your Have you got your thread there by any chance, or not. Lake, I believe you put yourself on mute. Hold on. You've lost me. Oh, that's not good. You're on mute at the moment. Let me unmute. Can people in the chat let me know whether I can be heard for starters? Um, and also, Laker, you're currently it's currently saying you're muted, which is strange. I know there's a bit of silence here. It's either me that's gone or Laker's gone. Oh, Miss Caterstone says she can hear me. So, Laker, I can't unmute you. Let me see if I can. It says I've unmuted you. Yeah, Laker, um, it's saying that I can be heard, but you can't be heard, which is very strange. Um, I definitely didn't mute you. <laughs> um, let's see what else I can do. What we'll do, I think if you if you disconnect and call back. Yeah, there we go. I think you disconnect and then call back, and hopefully that should boot it up again. Technologically, yeah, there we go. Techno- technology is always trying to undo all our hard work. We'll give it a sec. In the meantime, so as Laker's hopefully coming back into the studio, Laker did a tweet. She started a thread on the 3rd of Jan. Her Twitter handle, cheeky plug, is at teacherfeature2. Let's bring her back in. Hopefully this works. We've got a dramatic pause. It says I'm connected, but I can't see a picture. Very strange. Uh, Laker, try this. Try 
um, leaving the show, <laughs> not like, yeah, closing down the stream, reopen the stream, and then call back in again. Let's reset this whole thing, hopefully. I obviously won't, I can't do that. But um, Laker, because someone, someone type in the chat, I don't know if Laker can hear me. That's the thing. I don't know if Laker can hear me because she said she couldn't, she said she couldn't hear me. So give her, because someone type in the chat to tell her to leave, leave the call and then rejoin um, whoever the quickest typer is. It's a competition. You get a Teacher Talk Radio mug if you, um, if you type it in first. Who knows? Anyways, so hopefully Lakers can come back. But Lakers written a thread. She wrote a thread on, thank you, Gnome. You win the, um, what would you win? You win a round of applause, Gnome, from me. Thanks, Gnome. Um, <laughs> so Laker wrote a tweet and I want obviously Laker to, to speak about her own tweet. So I don't want to go into too much detail. Right, she's calling again. Hopefully this works. It says Laker Sharma is a speaker now. It says I'm connected with Laker. Any tech wizards in the room? This is such a shame. I wonder why is this happening? Silly, like Laker, what is your internet okay? Internet stable, connection, all that kind of stuff. Might be the earbuds. Do you know what? You could. Um, Laker, try without, or just you can't hear us. Uh, try without headphones, is what I'll say. Um, I don't know if she's using earbuds. Air, what are they called? AirPods, earbuds, whatever else. Try without headphones of ours. So the first thing she says on her, on her thread is, number one, top tips. So this tip, this, wow, these tips are for leaders. They're for SLT members. And as you would imagine, because they're the people that make a lot of the decisions in school, you've got number one is streamline any and all processes. And she's put processes in inverted commas, streamline any and all processes, find out what's taking the most time for teachers and consider how to make it more efficient. Let's try again. Hopefully. Hello. We are, we are there. We are there. Can you hear me? We can hear. <laughs> The amount of trial and error that's just gone on, Cleo. <laughs> what, what? So hold on. What have you? What's? What has been the solution? What have you managed to do? The solution's been taking the headphones out, and now you're just right, on okay. speaker. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It works. We can't. Fortunately, we can't hear feedback, so it's fine. So no headphones. Okay. Work. No Sorry about that. <laughs> no, you've done. You did nothing wrong. I don't know what happened. Technology tries to let people down. To be honest, it that's, does. That's, it does. His, that's his purpose. So <laughs> I just started talking. You missed. You missed. I haven't got very far because I don't want to talk without you. So I wrote your first one just to read it, kind of verbatim. You said, "Streamline any and all processes. Find yeah. out what's taking the most time for teachers, and consider how to make it more efficient." What was your kind of inspiration behind? Because this is the first one you wrote. So what yeah. was your kind of what's what's behind the scenes on this one? I think it's just that idea that I think well-being needs to really be kind of woven into all of the systems and processes that we're designing within a school. Um, so for me, it's about having your leader hat on, but also having your teacher hat on and always considering, right, what is this going to, you know, what does this mean for the lived experience of a teacher who's uh, actually walking the walk day in, day out? And so that one for me is about thinking about exactly what a teacher is doing day in, day out, what's having the biggest impact on their pupils, um, where is their, the majority of their time going, and how if they are dedicating lots of time to something, how do we streamline those processes to make it the most efficient use of that time for them so that we are making sure that they're you know, not spending, um, you know, it's not massively onerous and they're spending hours and hours on something. 
um, when they could be doing it a different way. So I, I guess it's for me, it's about that kind of innovation piece and thinking about how we can streamline some of those processes. Mm, well, so you're speaking to, I'm, I'm also a senior leader at the moment. So imagine, I'm just going to play a bit of, it's not even devil's advocate, that's the wrong word. I'm going to say that like I'm um, just wanted to find, I do want to find out more. So if I'm a senior leader, how, what's the best way to find out um, the, what's taking the most time for teachers? What would you say is the best way to find that out? Yeah, I mean, you'll know this. It's a really tricky one because, you know, you're not, your lived experience as a senior leader is very different to that of a teacher. So I think it comes down to the relationships you have with your staff and making sure that you're close to the ground so that you can have an understanding of what it is like and what what is taking the most time. And I think that involves kind of constant communication. Uh, it involves having those, you know, formal and informal discussions. So whether it's kind of one of those CPD meetings where you're putting the cards on the table and saying, right, let's talk about planning. Let's talk about how this structural process is going for you guys. Or whether it's those kind of informal corridor conversations or checking in with someone and you've just, you know, they've mentioned that something's taken absolutely forever. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a number, like, I think it's a combination of things. And I, I think it's also not a quick fix. It's definitely um, not something you, that can be achieved through one or two of these things. I think it has to be kind of like a constellation of these things together. Mm. No, I, I hear you. Do you think that teachers are like, not is reluctant the word? Maybe they're reluctant to kind of, as teachers, are we reluctant to admit to maybe our leaders or our line managers that we're struggling with workload. Do you mm. feel like that's do you feel like that's like a symptom of the profession that because it's all well and I feel like as a, if as a senior leader you can create the space, yeah. you can have the conversations, but the question is do our teachers feel like they're able do, are they are they willing to say do you know what I'm really I'm really struggling with this or um, this I've got too much I've actually got more work than I can handle. Do you f yeah. I feel from my experience I don't know about you guys in the chat I feel like a symptom of teaching from my experience is that we just kind of try to just exude that we're in control of things and we don't want to let our line manager know that we may we might actually have too much work on that we can't handle. Do you agree? I don't know. I'm just kind of throwing ideas out there. Do you think that's a symptom? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting one because I think that we as SLT have to model, um, you know, that whole process as well. It, you know, it's not about us going out there as leaders and perpetuating perfect. Like we've always got it together because we haven't. Um, and so actually we need to model that. And when things aren't working, we have to call out. Like we have to be able to say this isn't working so that other people feel that they can also say, well, this isn't working for me or I'm finding this really difficult. So I think it's about cultivating a culture of psychological safety where people do feel they can say and it might not be you know to a public forum or in a public cpd session like i'm really struggling but do feel they can come and have those even if it's one-to-one -one conversations with you and say actually this isn't this part of my practice isn't working i'm finding it really tricky um so you can work the problem and, and come up with a solution together um but i think I make that sound really, really easy. And it's, I think it's a lot of um, work into the kind of culture that you've got within your school and, and how you cultivate that and how you contribute to that. Yeah, no, what the point that resonates with me is the bit about um, SRT always exuding that everything's kind of like under control and everything's, mm -hmm. and we're, every, we're all managing and we're all just getting on with it. And it's all kind of ticking, ticking along hunky-dory. And we never, not we, but like SRT members don't, let people know that they're actually struggling or they're finding it challenging or they've not got enough time for X, Y, Z. I yeah. feel like, but then 
Yeah, and I think if you have an SLT team that exude that, then it does probably filter down, um, whether consciously or, or subconsciously, to it to their to their teams because they see that they never hear their their line manager or their leader speak about how they're struggling a little bit. If they never hear it, then maybe they think, "Oh no, I can't tell them that I'm struggling because they're always on top of things, and maybe they just don't work hard enough and all that kind of stuff." Um, yeah. So it's it is about it's a cultural shift. And I think mm-hmm. it as it's one. It needs to be a priority of whoever's at the top to think. You know what? No, we need to make sure that they see imperfections or they see challenging circumstances that we're battling. We have to battle through it, and we need we're going to struggle. And we're not going to. Why don't? No, I'm not going to say we're not going to meet deadlines, but we're not going to find everything easy and and everything's not going to go swimmingly. Sometimes we're going to be really honest and have yeah. some integrity. And I think, yeah, like what you said about modeling that is powerful because they need, if they don't see it from their leaders, then they're less likely to to speak about it openly, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was, I was yeah. listening to a podcast a few weeks ago and it was talking about upward empathy. So having, you know, having it both ways, basically, you've got the empathy for the teachers that you lead and you're thinking about their position, but also cultivating that upward empathy of the kind of challenging circumstances, particularly in the last couple of years and recently, um, that leaders are having to deal with. So you've got this kind of mutual um, compassion with everyone within a workplace rather than it being a kind of us and them feel. Mm, no, definitely. Um, I've seen a question in the chat from Frederick. Frederick, if you stay in the show, I'm going to come to your question towards the, well, in the next kind of 15 minutes or so. Frederick's asked, I do have a question. And he says, how has COVID affected you uh, with being a teacher? Frederick, I'll give you my word that I'll come back to, to your question um, just towards the, probably in about 15 minutes or so. So I will answer that. But for now, we're going to stay on the, thank you very much. We're going to stay on the topic. So the next one you mentioned was, I feel like we've kind of spoken about it. You said one thing that leaders need to do is give teachers ample opportunity to feel seen, heard with like informal chats, focus group discussion based CPD. And then you put respond to need, which is very powerful. Um, Is there anything more you want to add to that? Yeah, I think the seen and heard thing is really, really important because it's just about, you know, being a part of a community and feeling like, you know, and I've kind of already um, alluded to this, just feeling like you can share your opinion, you can say something that's not working, you can have that discussion in the first place. And I think, like you said, um, sometimes teachers can be quite reluctant to do that. Leaders can be quite reluctant to do that because we're all human. Um, So I think it's about us kind of making it you know, giving teachers, leaders, everyone within an organisation ample opportunity to be able to share their opinion, share how they think, you know, what they think is going well, what they think, think you know, how they think things could be improved or streamlined. Um, so I do think it's a really kind of collective effort. Mm. So do you advise, I've worked in schools where they have, um, they have like a teacher feedback group that doesn't actually involve SLT. They have a teacher feedback group and then the whoever the main chair of that meeting is they would then feed back to slt is that something that you've experienced yourself is that something that schools should try to implement if they don't have so if they haven't done so already i think it it depends on the context of the school and and kind of what the the kind of uh i guess the culture within a school is i think that can be a really powerful way to get feedback um i think that something that's really important to me is just kind of breaking down those barriers of us and them when it comes to slt and and teachers because it shouldn't feel um in my opinion it shouldn't feel so like oh well that's them and and you know we have to kind of tread carefully to be able to tell them you know how things are going in the classroom and i think the more and i think obviously that you know there are natural that will naturally be a thing because it it is a it is a kind of hierarchical structure but I think the more we can try and break that down and have 
try and have those conversations more transparently and widely um, it is, is always a good thing. But I think, you know, those kind of structures can be really helpful and feeding back to SLT and, and having that kind of um, safe space where teachers can come together and share if they don't feel so comfortable doing that directly. So I think it very much depends on the situation and the school um, and their specific kind of circumstances. Okay, excellent. Thank you for that. Um, on to the third one. So this is, I like this one. So the third one says, consider the contextual constraints and opportunities for individual teachers within the school. <laughs> within the school. <laughs> within the, <laughs> I'm reading how I think you wanted it to be read. Yes. Um, <laughs> Definitely <so> that. <laughs> consider, <laughs> consider the contextual constraints and opportunities for individual teachers within the school bespoke support tell me more Leica tell me more yeah I think you know in within a school within a within different classes you're going to have different um situations different contexts and I think we have to be really um mindful of that um and an, an example I can give you is perhaps you you know there's a particular class where there's really challenging behavior um being aware of that and tailoring your support um for that particular individual teacher um, you know, is really important because you need to be recognizing what they're up against and what they're what they're dealing with every day and being how how do I then as a leader support them with that specific challenge. So I think, you know, there's that, there's the kind of um more in-school stuff, but it's also about everyone has, you know, their own, you know, their own kind of stuff in general uh, as a human. So I think it's also tailoring your support and and being flexible, I think, in your approach to how we're supporting well-being, dependent on um, you know, well-being means different things to different people, I think. And so it's thinking about, right, it's about knowing your your staff and knowing who you lead and think, right, what does well-being mean for that person? How can I best support them with that? Right. No, perfect. Thank you. Um, Frederick's in the chat. Frederick, so um, where are you, Frederick? Frederick has asked a question. When does this usually happen? So the podcast. So Frederick, let me do a little bit of a spiel for you. What you've tuned into is Teachers Talk Radio, but Teachers Talk Radio this is only one of many shows. So Teachers Talk Radio, there's an abundance of shows that take place all throughout the day, seven days a week. Um, you're tuned into my show, which is a Sunday lunch show, which um, unsurprisingly takes place on Sundays. And then there, are, there was like a show in the morning. Sobia, one of my fellow kind of hosts, did a show in the morning with a breakfast show on a Sunday. Then we've got shows after me. There's shows on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. If you want more information, Frederick, and this is your first time, you want to just hear more about it, best thing to do is to go to ttradio.org. I'll even type it in the chat, ttradio.org. Um, that will give you all information about what we are, what we do, the schedule. You can listen back to previous shows. So these shows run, they obviously are done live. This is a live thing at the moment but then it turns into a podcast afterwards that can be accessed through Podbean, but also through Spotify. And I think whatever the Apple podcast thing is and so on and so forth. So it's, it's a big movement, all headhunted, not headhunted, all kind of spearheaded by a man called Tom Rogers. Um, so yeah, that's a bit of, in, that's a bit of Frederick's, call, Frederick's calling in. Come on, Frederick, join the conversation. One second. It is a live call show. Oh, it says Frederick can't, it now says Frederick can't join in now, but may call in later. Okay, fair enough. Um, Fred, if you want to talk about staff well-being, you can. If you work in education, it's even better. Um, no issue at all. Okay, so what we've then got, so we talked about individual teachers. I think the next one was about what we've kind of spoken about already, which is upward empathy, so being transparent about the state of play and the challenges that the school are facing, so encourage that kind of a normal supportive communication. I feel like we've touched on that. 
But then yeah. here is here, here's the biggie. Cut mm-hmm. anything that cut anything that's not essential. Surely essential for for one is essential for for who from whose perspective and and everything else. So how do you how do you as a senior leader how do you assess whether something or some process or some activity is essential or not? Is yeah. my question. I think it's a. I think something that we can do to assess this is keep it really binary and think. Right? Is this going to positively impact our pupils? Um, is whatever you know, whatever whatever is on the in terms of workload, whatever is on the agenda, is this going to positively impact our pupils and how? Um, and if you know, if we're looking at something and thinking, yeah, well, this this you know isn't going to have a direct impact. Um, and you know it could wait okay well then it needs to go especially you know particularly during the testing times uh, in the last couple of years with the pandemic um, I think it's more important now than ever to just be cutting the noise I think there's just lots of and it can be really tricky actually because there's always you know there's always stuff and we're in a really exciting time in in terms of the educational landscape when it comes to research and exciting new, you know, things going on and developments in education. So it can be really difficult to do that. And I've definitely fallen foul of this one before where it's been like, oh, I've heard about this really great thing and I really, really want to try it. Okay, well, Mm. is it essential right now? Is it going to work in our context and make a positive impact on our pupils right now? And you do have to be a little bit kind of cutthroat, yes or no. And and for me, that keeps it really clear. Um, and just having that clear, clear idea of your purpose, like what is it, what is it you're trying to achieve? What is your purpose as a school? Um, and is this contributing to that? Yes or no? Yeah, no, no, hundred percent. I think one other way to assess it sometimes or to evaluate it is to say, if we don't do this, if we, if we don't do this session, or if we don't bring this initiative in, or if we don't have a CPD on X, what will be the outcome? Cause sometimes if it's, yeah. if you think, ah, oh, if we don't do it, no, nothing's like we're not going to be harmed in any way or uh, the pupils aren't going to be or have a worse experience or worse learning experience so that also may be another way to assess whether whatever initiative you're trying to implement whether it's essential or not for pupil progress is of course to think positively but also if you think on the flip side if we don't do it well what's going to happen are the kids going to be still making great progress if so then maybe this this initiative isn't the one for now maybe you need to you need to wait a little bit for this one that's a really good shout. I think thinking about that can really just help clear up some of that noise. And I think we just have to also be really, you know, aware of the fact that it can't all be done. So we have to think, right, what is it that we are going to focus on? Because we're not going to be able to do absolutely everything. Mm. Um, so having that clarity around that. And I think that's a really good way of thinking about it. Like in the absence of this, what would happen? Um, so I think that can be just as powerful as thinking about your purpose too. Yeah, definitely, 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 definitely. Right. Um, I know you had scheduled time till two, but we got an extra. Can I squeeze you in for an extra five? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. I'm oh, loving this. Ex- excellent. One. Oh, you you didn't didn't think you'd love it. Like, is that what it is like? You didn't. Think <laughs> it. Let me let me no, just let me just, right, just let me just let me just tell him half. Let me let me just tell him let me just tell him half an hour because then if I if I'm hating, I can at least I can I can chip out at two, <laughs> I can chip out at two o'clock. Oh, I see it. It's all right. Don't worry about it. It's fine. No, no it's, it's daddy daycare, so I'm quite I'm quite happy to carry on talking for five more minutes. Ah, daddy day, daddy daycare, one of the great. Those are the great days. I've got a child alone. Oh. How was your? If you don't mind me asking, how was yeah, your no child children? Uh, nearly, there's going to be three in June, which is crazy. Ah, excellent. Three in June. Okay, yeah, my little one's going to be two in May. So it's about about a year apart. So a lot of stuff happens between two and three, I imagine. I keep seeing three-year-olds. They they look, they're like just a little bit taller, but they just look and they carry themselves so much 
more maturely and there's a lot more uh, it's crazy either way we can talk about kids all day but let's not let's get back to this <laughs> so um number six you said if you're asking for something so i imagine this is a as a senior leader or mm-hmm. mi- maybe even could be a middle leader as well if you're asking for something model it and exemplify it clearly so that everyone is clear encourage a no questions are silly culture and over exemplify where possible this sounds like a bit to do with is this more to do with like coaching maybe or kind of um teaching and learning is that kind of what you're thinking yeah. about with number six I think so. I think it's it's when you're implementing any sort of new approach, whether that's like a teaching and learning approach or it's an intervention or whatever it is that you're introducing um, for implementation, just giving that absolute clarity on what good looks like. Um, because I think, you know, and we've all been there where we've been told, right, we're going to do this and we're going to we're going to try this new thing have a go and then it's like oh well haven't actually you're not quite getting it right and that's really really frustrating for for anyone so actually it's thinking about right just making it super clear what is it with you know what does this look like um and just encouraging again that culture of you know no questions are silly even if it's something really really small um and and just being able to have that um culture where you can have those conversations i think is really really important because otherwise you just don't ever get into the nitty gritty and i think implementation is always messy um and there's always kind of teething problems when you're doing something new or you're doing a new teaching and learning approach or whatever it might be so actually having those ongoing discussions not just you know when you're about to start something new or you're trying out something new but actually throughout that implementation process let's keep touching base let's keep talking about it let's keep the conversation going yeah, no, that's that's that resonates with me because I work in a I work in a school that's we've got a lot of routines that are whole school routines, whether it's <laughs> routines for how we get kids to be silent, routines for how they leave the class, and routines for how they come into class, and so on and so forth. And one thing that's worked really well that I'd never really experienced in my previous schools is that we do a lot of like I can call it role play. So we literally we have the teachers. So we have someone like me, for example, when I was a when I was the head of year and everything else, and I was kind of overseeing all these kind of routines and things. Mm-hmm. We often had I had to model what the routine looked like. Then we got teachers to then get into little groups and practice it and yeah. actually do some some actual role play because it's it's much more effective than saying right as you said here's a routine here this is what this is a new this is a new thing we're all going to try. I've written it down on the piece of paper for you. Off you go. Best of luck. Um, and I think it's important for for leaders to to yeah to give their give their their teachers a bit of a, a bit of low stakes practice on these things before they get into the to the high stakes environment with the with the children just so they can go in with a bit of confidence and then what you said about revisiting is also resonating because mm-hmm. i feel like that's sometimes missed like if you have a routine or some sort of implementation some sort of strategy and then you just kind of let it run and then few weeks down the line you realize it's for either fallen by the wayside or turned into something that was never the purpose or it's kind of been diluted or whatever else um i think you either you have to if you bought into this routine you should want to to revisit and retrain or or even ask the best question to ask is hold on what's what's this barrier to this being successful that we didn't anticipate because clearly something Mm -hmm. is preventing people from being able to do this properly so what is it i think opening up that forum would be a very is that the best way to kind of bridge into right okay we didn't anticipate that the kids would be five minutes late so that's why we couldn't like that kind of thing I don't know whatever yeah. the barrier whatever the barriers are you got to identify them um, yeah. and then try to remove them surely 
Yeah, for sure. And I think when you're talking about anything outside of the classroom, there's just so many variables that you don't think of. And then when you're doing the, you know, when you're in an actual living, breathing classroom, implementing something, there are going to be things that come up that, you know, actually, we weren't, like you said, we weren't anticipating this. So actually reworking the the routine or whatever it might be. Um, and yeah, there will be times that it will, you know, you know, it will get a little bit lax and, you know, the routine might not be as strong as it always will. But that, but actually having the ability to have that conversation in the first place and go, actually, we're going to revisit this. We're going to have this as a key focus for the next couple of weeks um, is, I think, is important. And again, that all for me comes back to having that culture of being able to have those conversations. And it's not, you know, again, I make it sound really, really easy. It's not, it's not at all easy, but it's, it's something that's worth investing in, I think. And that comes back to having those relationships with your staff, knowing your staff really well, um, and investing time to, to actually find out, you know, what, what wellbeing is to them. Mm, no, definitely. Those of you that just come in the studio, welcome. I see you. You're listening to Teacher Talk Radio. This is the Sunday Lunch Show with me, Khalil Rouse. I'm joined by Leika Sharma. We're currently talking, we've only got a few more minutes left of it, talking about um, how senior leaders can improve staff well-being, practical ways they can improve staff well-being in school. There's a few more we're going to go through. Um, one that's standing out to me, just from my own kind of... So we've got number nine. Mm-hmm. So this is, you did a hat tip. I don't know much about Emma Turner, but you said on number nine, offer staff flexibility and autonomy over their work schedule where possible. So this is like, for some senior leaders, this is just absurd. What do you mean flexibility and autonomy over the work schedule? What do you mean by this, please? Because I think this is, I've seen a lot of tweets recently about someone asking for like 0.8 of a timetable. No, 0.8 of a week, so only four days out of five, for example, all that kind of stuff. What were you um, alluding to here with the flexible work and autonomy all that kind of stuff yeah so emma emma's amazing and she she's written a book about kind of uh flexibility and, and work flexibility called let's talk about flex and it's amazing i highly recommend it but i think this is really about you know taking into consideration that idea of work-life balance and actually thinking right how can we you know there is a there is stuff that needs to get done yes but how staff are doing it um, giving them the autonomy and you know to be able to flex around what what they need outside of outside of school for example and that might just be something really simple it might be having a conversation about working hours and thinking about you know picking up some you know going home a little bit earlier and then picking up from home or whatever um, and again really context dependent really um, individual dependent on the individual and you know dependent on the circumstance but actually again having those conversations in the first place like some people would not potentially feel comfortable having those conversations but we need to get to a place where that you know talk about flexibility of of your work schedule and your um workload is actually something that's you know on our agenda and and is is something is that is an option to talk about um but yeah i would highly recommend emma's book because she is the absolute expert on this Excellent. So that's good shout. That's Emma Turner, um, at Emma Turner 75, or Emma underscore Turner 75. Miss Cato Stem has asked a question. Um, so she said, was, interest, oh, interesting. Miss Cato Stem is saying, you probably see it yourself, was the lack of well-being for teachers and leaders in school and or the search for a job with better well-being the reason why you are no longer a senior leader in schools? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, no, so I, I've been a senior leader for... Um about four years um and i just decided to do something a bit new because um you know writing the mpq materials is just a whole different side of education um it was something that i was interested in learning about 
Um, and yeah, so I've moved, I'm actually moving back into a senior leadership role at the end of February. I'm going to go and be the head of the lower school at the John Wallace Academy in Kent, which is really exciting. Um, I think one of the things on my thread as well, just going back to your question here, yeah. is well-being is not just about like it has to be about everyone and so well-being also has to be about your senior leaders and what are we doing for their well-being what are we doing for our leaders at any level for their well-being leadership can be really really isolating so actually we need to be keeping that on the agenda as well um, so it's a really good question it wasn't actually not the particular reason in my case but I'm sure for senior leaders there, there are lots out there and I've had conversations with them where well-being is a reason why they've potentially moved into a different role or pursued something else. Um, and it's why I always, you know, whenever I'm thinking about well-being for staff, it, you know, it's just exactly like what we do for the children. Every child matters. And in the same vein, every member of staff matters, no matter what kind of position they're in. So I think we need to keep well-being, you know, and that I think that's another job. Um, we can be reflective as senior leaders and think, right, what can we do for our collective well-being what can we do to support the, the subject leads the department leads um what avenues of support do they have um so yeah it's a really good question i think that it's something that we need to give thought to for sure mm, thank you for that response i think what when, as you were speaking about that what comes i often see um schools doing things like staff well-being week da, 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 like that kind of stuff i always um, and I saw some tweets about it recently and I always, whenever I hear about Staff Wellbeing Day or Staff Wellbeing Week and it's that more tokenistic, well, seemingly tokenistic approach that schools are still taking to this day. Um, but I guess the whole, the whole point while we're here and our entire conversation, for anyone that's listening back because maybe a senior leader in a school, maybe what they do, Staff Wellbeing Day or Week is Staff Wellbeing Days and Weeks don't are not the solution um, mm. to ensuring you've got good levels of staff well-being they're a yeah they're a nice little one-off if they go back the next day with tasks and things that maybe they consider don't matter or whatever else or maybe the culture's wrong in a school or they've got leaders that they think don't listen and blah 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 then doing a staff well-being week and a staff well-being day and getting the ice creams out or whatever you want to do in the summer isn't gonna isn't gonna solve the problem so i I've, I've just heard it just reminded me of some tweet i saw recently where they were talking about, oh, what should we do for Staff Wellbeing Week? And then someone, I think someone kind of facetiously remarked, whatever you've been doing for the rest of the weeks of the year. That kind of, like, you know what I mean? Like that, <laughs> that kind of, that kind of remark of you should be doing what you, you should continue with whatever you've been doing for the rest of the year because this is always a priority. Like it doesn't just yeah. become a priority the week before the Easter holidays. Um, yeah. This is what I mean on that. Okay, Laker, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, Thank you so how much. Not a problem at all. How could people, if they wanted to kind of reach out to you and get and steal some more kind of words of wisdom, how could they best get in touch with you? Uh, Twitter handle, so at Teacher Feature 2, and you can drop me a message or anything like that. I would love to hear from you. Excellent. Leica, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm going to disconnect you now, but feel free to stay in the studio. We're going to be talking about um, slang is actually what we're going to talk about because I was in, I was something to do with, yeah. So I'm going to take a little, a little um, tangent as always to something a little bit, to something very, very different to what we're speaking about. Um, but feel That's free to cool. stay in the studio or not. Not a problem. Thank you. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. What a nice, what a nice chat. I enjoyed that chat. Very, very pleasant chat. Um, a lot more, a lot more formal than I'm used to. <laughs> if you listen to, well, I say for, formal is probably the wrong word. A lot more serious than what I'm used to. 
I liked her. Sometimes I have shows where I just laugh the whole time. But that I liked that. It was very refreshing to have her talk about all things, wow, all things staff well-being, and it matters. And it matters. And I think I did a, I tweeted something earlier this week because this whole being at home thing and working from home and everything, it always is a reminder. And I, and I tweeted something that I was quite proud of, um, if I do say so myself. And what it said was, uh, where's it gone? I tweeted that um, prolonged absences from school serve as a reminder that on an individual basis, your absence does not prevent the kids and adults at school from being largely happy and productive. The same cannot be said for prolonged absences from home and family. Make time for what matters. That was my tweet and I dropped the mic on it and I felt quite proud of it because, yeah, I had some reflection on it. And I like it's you get this. This job is all consuming. And especially if you kind of consider it to be a vocation rather than a job, it can be even more all consuming. You can. Um, and everyone's just going says nice tweet. Jess, thank you very much. If you want to hear any more tweets like that from me, you can head to at Khalil underscore R91 on Twitter. Um, so I was going to say, yeah, so oh, I've lost my train of thought now. I was too busy making a joke. Yeah, it can be all consuming. And we talk about work-life balances always and everyone's talking about it and everyone bemoans it and everyone talks about working on the weekends and the evenings and not spending enough time with the family and everything, everything, everything. And I think the more, and I followed it up with a bit, the more we just talk about it, tweet about it, it will eventually, so what we've got at the moment, this is my perspective, we've got schools um, across the country being led by maybe head teachers that know no different. Maybe they went to a school where there wasn't much emphasis on a work-life balance. Maybe they went to a school where um, it was just a kind of unwritten expectation that you would knuckle down in the evenings and the weekends. So then when they've become the leaders of their of another school, it's not in the forefront of their mind as a priority to think about. So what I'm saying is the more we talk and tweet and discuss and debate and make shows about it and have Twitter spaces about it and everything else, the more it seeps into the psyche of not only current senior leaders like myself, but also seep more importantly, I guess, seeps into the psyche of those that are just coming into the profession who will may eventually be the future leaders if they're seeing that current teachers are calling out for a greater emphasis on work-life balance. More pay as well. Let's throw that one in there. But a greater emphasis of work-life balance, cutting stuff that's not necessary, cutting the guff, all that kind of thing. If they're seeing these being said on hashtag edgy Twitter and hashtag pastoral CPD, ha, cheeky shout out. Um, if they're seeing all these things, then surely eventually if they get to those leadership positions, they'll think more about them. And maybe they'll put more emphasis on them. Maybe they'll put in policies in place. They'll reflect more. They'll think about the implementation in a way that puts staff well-being and teacher workload at the forefront rather than just looking at outcomes, thinking about, hold on, what does this mean for my staff on the ground, the foot soldiers? What does this mean? Um, maybe. That's, 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 we can only hope. Surely we can only hope. Um, and, yeah, Miss Kato Sem says agreed so i appreciate that and then jess has come back in saying very true well-being for staff so important often forgotten jess i think you just came in reese yeah you just entered the live studio you missed the whole segment on staff well-being but don't worry never fear jess never fear you can always listen back to this and all of our other shows either by going to ttradio.org forward slash listen back if you didn't know um i'm going to type it in the chat because i can or you can go to Spotify and type in Teachers Talk Radio and all of our podcasts become, sorry, all of the live shows become podcasts and then they're uploaded to Spotify. It's very strange that I'm on Spotify. 
anyone could just search my name and find me on Spotify. I find it very weird. Spotify is like a very professional, official platform. It's not like YouTube, which I consider to be a bit more kind of open to everyone. Spotify is, I find very, like it's high end, you know what I mean? In terms of the people that can, it's real artists. It's that release their music on Spotify and no one else can release it. So I always find it very strange that you can just see Khalil on Spotify. Very weird. Anywho, um, that's one way you can find out, listen back to this um, and everything else. Oh, Jess, I think Jess is maybe a, um, might be a regular or might even be someone that I, I always see names and forget whether I know people or not. She says, I know I live in Taiwan. So tuning in as I settle to sleep, it is 10, 16 p.m. here. We'll listen back. Oh, that's nice. I hope I've got a voice that's quite suit, quite soothing at 10, 16 in the, in the evening. Maybe I need to uh, slow it down a little bit. And do you know those people that uh, they do the intros for? What they do intros for? I don't know. That's what they sound like. Maybe I need to speak like that. Maybe that's more 10, 16 p.m. I've got a lot of energy. I'm 2, 16 p.m. in the afternoon. Anywho, for the last 15 minutes or just done, we've got 30 minutes. I saw a tweet. It was sent out actually by a former guest, um, Ria, who might not be listening, but she tweeted. And there was an article from The Voice. And The Voice is a, it's a newspaper that's run, I think it's run, I think it's run largely by, by the black community. And, it's, and it speaks about issues affecting the black community. And the article was very interesting. Very interesting. This article um, was... It's yeah, and I've done some more research into it, and I feel like it actually refers to something that happened a while ago. Because when I did more research into it, I found articles from October 2021 about the same thing, and this article was released in Jan 2022. So this article starts by saying outrage as school bans black words like bear, for example, and obviously bear in itself is just like a standard word, b a r e, like we know what it means in the kind of formal English sense, purist English speaking sense um and then yeah so then it goes on and says it's a secondary school in south london and has banned pupils from using inverted commas black words which in itself is a very interesting thing to say like bear and the other option was wow he said bear and wow and i read it and i was like what do you mean wow and then when i spoke to my partner i feel like it um it means maybe like an extended wow like a wow maybe they've banned that so then first reading you're thinking hold on banned what like how can you ban words from what children are saying maybe amongst themselves and then it goes on and says this this school has attempted to crack down on phrases such as that's long or he cut his eyes at me and it says that this is a phrase of caribbean origin and explains what it means blah 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 and i did some more kind of looking into it and then there's some other articles i found i think on the exact same thing because it was the same school and it was just from october oh that's very random Back to the point. Um, so, yes, I did some more research on these articles. I was thinking, surely not, because when you read this first couple of lines, it makes it seem like they're they're restricting, first and foremost, what kids say to one another. Because when I've heard of things around slang bands and everything else, it's usually been around the written language. And then, so when I did some more research on it, I found an article on The Independent, found on The Guardian, and it was around the same thing. And this article I found on The Guardian, about the same thing, it says, oh, my days, it starts by saying, linguist lament slang ban in london school and it says yep so words like words like like bear that's long cut his eyes at me blah 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 then it says these are terms showing up in pupils work which has now been vetoed so when you read the first article it doesn't really clarify this when you go on and read other articles all the other articles are in agreement that the policy um is 
that they were banning these words from the written work that kids are producing in classes. And that puts a different slant on it slightly, slightly. But I guess the, the dangerous bit is when you look at what the words, so, so let's look at these things out. Let's just go. There's a list, I think. Let me find it. Here we go. So, so it says banned words at this school. The following phrases must not be used at the beginning of sentences. <laughs> the first one is um, and this is um with three M's. How are you getting kids starting sentences with um? But I love that. The next one is because, then you've got no, then you've got like, say, you see, you know, and basically. These are all the words that the school has banned um, from starting written sentences in their books. And I've heard these before. Kids often, it comes from kids often say that basically and obviously and, you know, and so on and so forth. So they ban them. And then the slang and the idioms that have been um, banned are, first of all, he cut his eyes at me. So if you don't know what that means, that kind of means that someone's given you a certain look that a bit of a, a bit of a, a certain look of derision, essentially. Um, and they've translated it as he shot me with a withering sidelong glance. <laughs> what kind of nonsense? So yeah, give him a, di a dirty look, maybe um, a side glance of derision. Then they've also banned "Oh my days." They've also banned "Oh my god." They've also banned "That's a neck." And that's a neck is kind of like you've done something stupid. You deserve a, a hit on the neck for that. That's a neck. So you've done something stupid. They banned the word "wow." Uh, they've banned the phrase "that's long." They've banned the word bear when it's used in the context of meaning lots of. So bear food, bear people, lots of this, lots of that. And they've banned the word cuss. And I look at all these words and all these words resonate with me as things that when I was growing up, I would use in my vernacular um, when speaking to my friends. I would never think of putting them in, in a kind of in an in a informal in, in a formal English essay that I was doing for a GCSE. But then would I? No, it didn't, it didn't really cross my mind. I just kind of. I just kind of disassociated it from the formal English and I knew this is how I speak with my friends, but I write in a different way when I need to for an essay on Shakespeare, for example. But I guess the danger is when you, when you specify certain phrases and only these phrases, then you look at the phrases and you look at the kind of the average demographic that may be using these phrases, you're thinking, hold on, like there's a, there's a common denominator here. Um, all these phrases seem to be not just slang from like, I don't know, uh, Cockney rhyming slang, for example. This is slang that's often found in communities with a high proportion of black people, for example. But then you also have communities. Um, yeah, so it's always just a bit, I think people would call them, I hate this word, people call them urban communities. And I hate that word. Um, but you'd find them all there. It's just very, it sends out an interesting message when you when you make a list why not just think positively and say that you only need you need to just use kind of formal English in your essays? Why do you because kids know what that means? Surely that means you don't use colloquialisms or the slang phrases that have different literal meanings when read on paper kind of thing. Like if you want people to write formally, then fine. Why do you need to now go through and and specifically identify certain phrases to make them seem like these aren't these aren't right. You can't use these phrases. These aren't good enough for for the for the written language. Why are you identifying them? I don't know. There's a lot of comments in the chat, and I'm going to scroll through. We've got we haven't got much time unless I run over slightly. Shh, don't tell Tom. I might run over slightly. There's a lot of comments in the chat. Let's see what you guys are thinking because I'm just. Um, so then, yeah, Mal said, "How are you going to get adults to stop saying these words?" 
<laughs> Mal then says, oh, my days. I love that phrase. I love the phrase. I love my, I love the phrase. And the thing is, what is the problem with, if you're doing a piece of creative writing and it's about, I don't know, young people in a school, not even young people, like old, older people say, oh, my days, for example, what's wrong with using that as, in putting it in as someone's speech? If it's prefaced with, um, and so-and-so said, oh, my days, and then it's followed up with blah, 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 like it's just part of the text. What's wrong with that? How can you ban a phrase that you say, oh, you can't even reference speech that uses this? You can't use it at all. Not allowed. What kind of nonsense is that? Do you know what I mean? Like that's what, I'm, what are you banning? So you're banning the entire phrase. People can't speak like that at all in your creative writing. So they can only speak a certain way. Very strange to me. I don't like it. Very strange. I don't know what you guys think about it, but I don't know enough about the story to know whether they've banned it in speech marks. Could people speak like that in their stories? I don't know. If you're saying they can't even speak like that in their stories, that is a bigger problem as well. If they can't even speak like that in their stories as a speech, um, as someone's speech, then that's a massive problem. That's a red flag, surely. Why not? Um, Mal then Mal goes on and says, I love it when the kids say it. And then Mal goes and says, um, oh, miss, that's long. Um, Mal, again, Miss Kato Sem says, at Mal, I couldn't work in these schools because I say some of these phrases too. So so do I. Um, and then Mal said, yeah, I was thinking that. And then Mal says, totally agree. Miss um, Kato Stem says, the extended wow is a favorite of mine to express how shocked I am at the kid who never brings their homework or hasn't brought it in again this week. Um, Mal then goes and says, I was in the staff band and we called ourselves, oh my days. <laughs> Jess has said, yeah, I was going to say, as part of the text, it makes total sense. This this seems totally stupid. Um, Laker says, oh, she thought she Laker liked the show. Mao says a massive red flag. Um, and then Anika's come in and said, yes, I agree. Change it to use of formal language. I have to say there are some of these words that I use every day too. And I only realized the impact when teaching a private school in West London and my year sevens picked up on all the language nuances that come from having grown up in East London. So I basically, so basically I single-handedly ruined their language because they thought I sounded cool and wanted to corrupt how I spoke. Language is fluid. Language is, develops over time and language reflects the community. So certain words have developed over time with different meanings and now have become globally accepted. I can use, I don't know, wicked, for example. Wicked used to obviously only have negative connotations and only be used in a negative way. Then through society developed to now have positive meanings. And it's now in the dictionary, I imagine, as something that means good or wonderful or great. Um, so I don't understand. Language develops. So why are you banning Who's, why are you banning certain phrases saying, no, that's not, that's not appropriate. You can't use that in formal English. When formal English is, the formal English we know now is only, has only, has only come about as a result of everything that's come before us. And it's not the same means that people were speaking 50, 60 years ago. So who are they to start policing the language that kids can use in their speech? If you're speaking it, you just reflect how people speak, surely. Because who knows what's going to happen in 10, 15 years? Yeah, I'd, oh, it's very, I'd, it's very strange to me. And I don't know, there's been a lot of backlash in the communities, everything else. And I'm not surprised, if I'm honest. And I don't know whether they've banned it with speech. I don't know. I keep saying that because I think that's crucial. If they banned it with speech, I said, you can't even use this phrase, even if you're reflecting what someone's saying, then that's, as Mal said, as I said, huge red flag. 
huge red flag. And if you work in a school where they're trying to put something like this in place, I implore you, implore you um, to, to challenge it. Politely, of course, professionally, everything else, but challenge it. Because think of the message you're sending these kids, that your language isn't good enough for our formal English nonsense. I get that there's a difference at the moment in 2022, there is a formal, there's an accepted kind of formal English standard that we, as a community, it's a kind of average standard. We think if we all speak like this, then everyone will understand. I get that. We need to be able to communicate in a way that anyone can pick up and read and understand. I get that. And obviously slang and idioms and phrases where the literal meaning is different to the actual meaning we're conveying is, is, goes counter to that. I get that. So we need to teach kids to switch up their codes, everything else. Understand, kids will understand that. They get that. But banning specific phrases when they come from a specific demographic as well, the inverted commas more urban experience, inverted commas, working class often. But I say that, but these phrases have permeated, <laughs> permeated all different stratas of society. Either way, I could talk about this all day, but we've got to end the show here because it's 2.32 and I can't remember if someone's on after me. Um, let me do a quick check because if they're not I might just stay on the radio <laughs> let me just do a quick check who's on after me sorry I should know this the next one is a twilight show that's kicking off um, at five. Oh, we've got loads of time don't worry about it guys might as well just stay here might as well stay we've got up till five o'clock might as well just stay <laughs> might as well just stay, well just stay here <laughs> am I allowed to do I get do I get do I, am I allowed to who knows what's the rules what are the rules in this place um, Dale's come in and said, completely agree. He said, the policing of language of some schools to that extent is ridiculously absurd. Um, I agree. I think when you start, when you start going with anything, kids, are, listen, kids are smart. Um, with anything that's got like a loophole, if you say you can't say, oh, my days with an S, I'm the kind of kid, for example, that if you said I can't say, oh, my days and days is spelled D-A-Y-S, um, I'd be the kind of kid who would spell it differently. Do you like, I'd be that kind of kid. Because I'd do that will be like my my passive resistance. I'd say no, I'm against the system. I'm gonna tell this differently. You you said oh my days spelled O H M Y D A Y S. I've not said oh my days. I said oh my days with a Z at the end. So you need to maybe update your list <laughs> because you need to cover every nuance because that's that's what I'm gonna write in mine. I'll be that I'd be that kind of I'd be that kind of <laughs> and I'll be that kind of kid. Um it's, yeah, it sends a dangerous message to the young people growing up because this is their lived experience and they don't think they're speaking in a way that's um, thought less of or or they're not, they're not thinking that someone, and it, it harks back to kind of unconscious bias and everything else, but they're not, when you speak how you do when you're growing up, you don't think that someone older is going to think of you as being, I don't know, a ruffian or a vagabond or whatever else or a, uh, someone who's badly behaved. You don't think of that stuff. It's just how you talk, it's how you communicate. And to then ban it sends a very, a very, a message that I wouldn't want to send to young people. These are banned. You're not allowed to say these things formally. That's not for, that's not English. Nonsense. What is England? What even is England? <laughs> like, what? Don't, what is the UK? What is Britain? Like, there is, we are so diverse. And that's the best thing about Britain is the fact that we are, Britain is so diverse. To be like, oh, that's not, that's not, that's not right to write in a formal setting. Who are you to tell us? Your experiences, you're only influenced by your own kind of experiences, aren't you? Hopefully one day, GCSEs and expectations will change so that the people reading the exams, although I want people things to be spelled correctly, but you don't look down on someone or treat, or if they um, use colloquialisms in their essays, if it's speech, for example, that shouldn't, that shouldn't, 
Costum marks or wherever else. Either way, I'm rambling now. I'm going to end because I've I've said my piece. Thank you, everyone, for your contributions. As much as I do want to stay and talk about other things, um, I can't because I need to just go and enjoy the rest of my Sunday off the radio, off air, and go spend some time with my partner and child, as we do. Thank you, guys. I'm going to wrap it up there. Thank you for your contributions. Hope you enjoyed the show. If this is your first time listening, I hope you come back. Um, they're usually always like this. I like this, this platform. It's a wonderful little platform. Thanks for everyone and the kind words. I'm here every Sunday, one o'clock till 2.30. The next up, we've got the Twilight Show that's starting at five. Um, that's with Kaylee. So listening to that, we've got the breakfast shows on Monday with Tabitha and we're all, we're all cracking. So if you want to find out more, you head to either ttradio.org or you can follow us on Twitter at ttradio2022 or you can get in touch with me directly. My Twitter handle is at Khalil underscore R91, which looks a bit like that. Um, if you want to just get in touch with me directly. Mao, I did say 2022. Mao's in the chat said 2022. I feel like I did say 2022. Yeah, at TT Radio 2022. Cheers, guys. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio. My days, oh my days.